this is this is this is this is hidden gem. This is hidden gem. This is hidden gem. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute. Like, how you been? I've been good, man. Been good, man. It's been a, it's been a, been a crazy year, man, for sure. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. But I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are being safe over there, though, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Doing so. our best, you know. For sure. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming in here, man. This is um episode 14 tonight. We're doing Hidden Gems with my man, Substantial. Uh, we're going to get into his life, uh, learn about his past along with the culture and his present, um, you know, life, what he's doing right now at the moment. So um, let's get this started, man. Um, where does it all begin for you, man? Where, where does life of Stan begin? Yeah, uh, it starts in Prince George's County, Maryland, man. Um, you know, uh, I was raised mostly uh you know i lived in different parts of um pg county um but like i spent most of my time in uh landover and suitland maryland and so um that's where like where i first started writing rhymes um where a lot of the inspiration from some of my earliest stuff from the battle rap stuff i did to um to as i grew older the the more socially conscious stuff um you know, just all of these crazy experiences, man, from like just the wild cyphers to uh, to neighborhood beefs to dealing with like, you know, cops giving us a hard time for just hanging in our own neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, you name it, dude. Like, it, I mean, it starts there, though. That's the, the foundation of everything for me, you know? How did the, um, the name Substantial come about? Like, where's that originate from? Was it given to you or did you just come across that yourself? Yeah, so it was it was given to me. Um, after uh, after I graduated Suitland High School, I went to um, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and I met a lot of dope artists, a lot of great, uh, you know, people I'm still friends with. Uh, a shout out to my man, uh, uh, Early Bird, who up in here now. Um, but yeah, he just said beef because that, that was the brother beef um, who beef was short for be efficient. And uh, he basically booked me for this event. He didn't like my old stage name. Um, and so, yo, without even running it by me, he just put substantial on the flyer. And uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, he, Get out. <laughs> he, he didn't even ask me, yo. He just he, he just changed my rhyme name and put substantial on the flyer. And it was an event with, like, Black Thoughts. I live all of these folks, like, this is, like, late 90s. Yeah, like, maybe, like, 98, 99, something like that. I, mean, I think it was 98, actually. And so, um, yo, and when uh, and, I, and the wild thing is, I had to cancel. I couldn't do the event because I was coming um, back to the DMV. I had a show in Virginia actually um, that I had to come home for. And so I came back. Uh, I was getting ready to leave for the gig, but I told my man what was going on. He shows me the flyer. I was like, "Yo, you ain't even put me on the flyer anyway." And he pointed out <laughs> substantial to me, and was like, "Yeah, yo, your old rap name is Wax, and I, you know what I mean. I had to do something." And uh, and then he was just like, yo, besides, it fits you better. And I feel like the music you make, the style you have, like, this this describes what you do way better, you know. Um, you know, like, the word substantial and what it means. 
um, to have a substantial amount of anything, you know, if it's real, actual, true, um, essential, you know what I mean, so to speak. And so, uh, yeah, like when he said it like that, and he was like, and besides, your real name is in, in the middle of it. You know what I mean? He stands in the middle of it. You're welcome. <laughs> Typical New Yorker, man, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So at this, at this point, you're in New York when you got yeah, this. Yeah, I was living you're, uh, you're, going okay. to school in Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, okay. So I guess coming up to kind of touch two places, PG County, D.C., and I guess Brooklyn, mm -hmm. growing up, like, in the, in the hip-hop world, like, what were some of the big places and people that kind of, like, helped shape, helped, helped shape you, I guess, in your career? Yeah. Um, for real, for real, man, it was mostly uh, it was mostly local homies, like, who had the biggest okay. influence on me in terms of, you know, just helping me develop my craft. I mean, of course, you know, like we all have our favorite, our favorite MCs and different genres yeah. of music that inspired us. Um, some of the people I listened to uh, was, you know, from Redman to Common, um, you know, uh, of course, Tribe, um, Brand New, being all of these different folks, man. Um, and then, like, you know, I was a, I was heavy into jazz and like soul music as a youngin too, like you know, collecting vinyl and all of that. And so, but it yeah. was, um, but it was really like in terms of the people who had the biggest influence on me, man, like, you know, from the homies at high school, um, kind of pushing me to write rhymes because we would do these ciphers at lunchtime, beating on the lunch table. Um, you know, we would just uh, like recite other people's rhymes, like our favorite rap songs, basically. And um, as my voice started to change, it started to mature people would just say things to me like, dude, man, you sound better than some of the rappers whose songs those are, man. Like, yo, you should try to do something with it. And um, I had already been writing rhymes on the low. Like, I wrote my first rhyme when I was, like, maybe 10. Um, but it took the homies kind of pushing me uh, for me to really get serious with it. You know what I mean? And um, and then later, it, you know, like, from my homie uh, Petty, uh, who I used to kick it with back at, um, when I used to live off Brycey, and uh, PG, and then um, and just other folks like a uh, shout out to the old Scan Crew, uh, Godzilla, um, uh, my man T. Lucas, uh, homie Warchild, and um, uh, my man Bird. All these dudes I was in high school rhyming with uh, the brother Rainbow. Uh, I mean, pardon me, not Rainbow. Uh, Crayola, my bad, Crayola, and um, just so many dope, like dope folks I knew as a youngin. And then of course moving to New York. I met Pac, uh, Pac FM, um, probably like 98. Um, and then we just kind of started building um, after my places, my homegirl I grew up with, shout out to Shu. She uh, linked me with Pac FM and, um, and him and I just clicked like instantly. So running with him, hitting the battle scene and the open mic scene real heavy. Um, and then I was hitting the poetry scene too, man. I didn't really care. Like, yo, they had a mic that was open. <laughs> it's like yo, like I don't care if nobody in this joint rap. I'm I'm gonna rap tonight. You know what I mean? It's an open mic, whatever. You know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, man, and it was dope because the poetry scene, like the MC, the 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 rap joints kept me sharp, like in terms of the wit, the battle rounds, the punchline, all of that. But the poetry scene, like hitting up the Brooklyn Tea Party at the YWCA back in the day, and all of that. That's what that's what made me like really like um, start talking more about what my experience was, right? Like what it meant to be, what it meant to be me, what it meant to be a black, uh, a black man from Prince George's County living in New York, 
seeing like the struggles I saw back home, but then also seeing a completely different community, but still dealing with the same, uh, the same problems. And so, um, it kind of forced me to grow up a bit, you know what I mean? And, and like talk about more than, than all of that. Um, shout out to, uh, Joey up in this joint. Um, so amphibians as yeah, well, Joey. random dudes, like seeing them in Velvet Lounge and all of that before, uh, or back when I would come home from Brooklyn and hit it hit the open mics hit, seeing uh, you know, um seeing them brothers do their thing, man, like rest in peace to Philly. And um and then of course going back to New York, eventually linking with PH, um Pumpkinhead, like just so many dudes, man, like my man Tone Death. Yeah, it's just a lot of history, man. A lot of great brothers who um ancestors who took me under their wing um and just really helped me develop as a, a writer, but also helped me um, develop as a person, like a human being, first and foremost. You know, it's very important, bro. <clears throat> I, I first came across you, man, being in high school, mm -hmm. and there was an album called Extended <laughs> Film. I think it had it was you and Tone Up and everybody. Yeah. And uh, how did that whole? I mean, I get you, you kind of answered with Pack FM, but how did that whole fruition come together with Tone Deaf and the Q and Five family? Um, yeah, uh, man. It, it was crazy. Like, like I said, I linked with Pac. Uh, you know, I met Pac through the whole um, back when uh, boot camp's old chat room. Like, uh, boot camp records had like the crazy chat room back in the day. Um, so I knew Pac through that. Um, Pac ended up linking up with Tone Deaf, who uh, was like, I think he moved from Florida to NY, and they had met each other in the scene. And so. Um, uh, Tone had uh, basically set up a session at his crib in Queens and um, invited us to come through. I rolled through that joint with Pat and then uh, this dude named Session, uh, my homie Session, who used to be down with like PMD from um, Eric, uh, from uh, EPMD. He uh, he comes through and he was nasty, like nasty. And so, yo, we just did a song that night and that was the first song, uh, I think, on, the e um, on that project. It was called The Evil That Pens Do. And um, we did the song, and the song just came out like, yo, the bars were just endless. It was just endless bars. Like, we were, you know, we was young, man, like, just, just having fun with it. And um, and so, yeah, we just, uh, we had so much fun with it. We, we started having a conversation about, like, yo, possibly doing a project, um, joining forces and, um, and putting that out to the world and basically seeing what would happen. And, um, you know, and then Tone just kind of, like, started gathering the production. Um, we kept linking back up, um, and it was cool. Like, the idea was to basically, because we weren't a, a group in the traditional sense, like, we, we got together and did a posse cut, right? And then he basically had the idea, Tone had the idea to say, you know, like, how can we take the idea of the posse cut and really push it as far as we can take it? Like, how can we make it, like, really into some like taking places that people have never seen posse cuts go before and so um so of course we had songs like evil that pins do and then uh, uh the notorious uh fuck you i rob better um <laughs> you know what i mean um the remix joint but then um but then we had a song like selly uh like we were looking for ideas trying to figure out how we push the envelope i was like yo what if we played the telephone game right but like through rhyming and because of the bad connection like we kept misconstruing the, the information. Like we kept just messing up with the last person that told us. And, um, and yo, it was just, that was probably 
the at the time that was the most intricate most complicated concept or track i had ever recorded man it was like 80 i think it was 80 tracks or something something crazy it was, like that totally yeah it was like eight tracks it was like eight tracks yeah, yeah. like it was yeah. just a lot of pieces man like to to put those concepts together we were really kind of pushing the envelope and tone like me was a big fan of uh, the far side so you know that that whole you know, like, yeah, we were black, Latino and all of that, but this not like not feeling this, uh, you know, feeling this pressure to, to kind of be overly like hard or trying to prove we were tough. It was just really like, yo, we can still be confident without being like on this tough guy shit and just like, yo, these bars speak for themselves. And because we nice, we can rap about whatever the fuck we want. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, and ultimately, uh, Pat came with the name uh, for the for the project. The project was called Happy Fuck You Songs, right? <laughs> and he and his and his idea was he was like, yo, cause it's like he's like, yo, you know, you listen to it, we're having fun, like we're happy, but it's like fuck you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so and it's crazy because I just started doing youth work, so I was like, oh, I can't let anybody know I'm, I did this project. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so you were just you were just getting into the youth yeah program. yeah. I think I just, I think I had only been doing youth work at that point for like maybe a year, probably something like that, or a few months. Um, yeah. Because again, you know, my my solo stuff was more like socially, you know, like most socially aware, talking about different um, right issues. Whether it was like you know, again, like I mentioned before, like my my experience as a black man. Um, the issues we have within our community and the, the issues we have from outside forces um, and then just relationships, like whether it was my relationship with my now wife or my relationship with my family. Like I've always kind of chose to make my music as personal as possible um, because people love to speak about other people's lives and what they should be doing. But I feel like no mm -hmm. one's more qualified than me to speak on my story. Right. So that's what my music has always been about. Um but like with these, you know, with these guys, man, whenever I get around them, it was just shits and giggles, man. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. That's a beautiful album, man. That album, like, it showed a different side of yeah. you, man. Because, like, you, you could really hurt some people's feelings. When I listened to that album, I was like, dang, man. That's just the Yeah, man. You know, I came up as a battle MC. You know what I mean? Like, I think so many people are used to hearing, like, the personal stuff from me and uh, the more um, introspective yeah. stuff from me. But, like, um, that's something I had to work my way into, right? Like, because initially, like, some of my favorite artists, you know what I mean? Whether, like, I, you know, I mentioned Redman, I mentioned um, Common. Um, you know, Common was introspective, but, like, but he had bars, B. Like, he give you that punchline shit all day. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, even, like, older school, or, like, uh, artists from the old school, like, uh, like somebody like Big Daddy Kane. Kane had bars for day, like, endless bars, yo. And so, and, and it was just, and for me, it was a natural progression, right? Like, doing the punchline and battle stuff because, um, because of the fact that, like, you know, like, the community I grew up in, like, yo, we Joan. We, we make fun of each other, right? Like, Dudes is always yeah, yeah. looking for an opportunity to crack a joke. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> rhyming was just an extension of that, you know? Oh, man. <clears throat> so, that another, I think another record label like that that you were with was Hideout Productions. Yeah, that's uh, actually the first label I'm going to start with. I actually, uh, 
Okay. Yeah, I actually, uh, before I did the record with EFAM. Um, okay, so this came prior. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think, gotcha. Yeah, because that, that album, um, our first single that we dropped uh, was Lyrical Terrorist. That was me and the homie L Universe, also known as Verbal from M Flow. And then, um, and then after that was Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home was the first single from the album. And uh, all of that was 2000. And then, uh, and then the solo album dropped like 2001 on Hot Out Productions, which was uh, owned by the late great Nujibest. And uh, yeah, that's the album that pretty, yo, like that's the joint that it changed everything. You know what I mean? Like um, I went from being just a, a underground dude trying to make a name for myself in the battle scene in New York, uh, who was from, you know, being from PG though, being an outsider for the most part to like an international like hip-hop artist you know what i mean like all that within a was that I moved to new york 97 so three to about i think i start i got my deal with new Jabesh in 99 and then 2000 i was out there recording you know what i mean so how, how that whole thing come about how that whole connection and friendship yeah come about? so to make a, a a long story short um uh, uh, my man tomo my man sphere of influence uh we went to Pratt together. Um, he also rhymed. And uh, we used to hang with my man, uh, Bisco Smith, who's a popular uh, graph artist. Um, really, really dope. Just checking stuff out. Um, anyway, uh, Bisco used to uh, Bisco used to make all of these mixtapes and stuff that all the homies would get on. And so um, I would hang with, uh, with Tomo. Tomo was from Japan originally. Um, he had Biscuit mixtape, of course, because all the homies had it because we went to, uh, went to school together. He goes back home for the for the summer. He was working at a record store called um, called Guinness Records, which was owned by Nujabes. And um, basically, yo, uh, <laughs> yo, like he um, during that summer, I had like a, a, a shitty job, man. I was doing like landscaping work for the school, like you know, uh, just yo, just really hard work, bro. Like and like get out of here. Yeah, it, it was real, that. bro. It was, <laughs> it was real. And so, like, yo, when I would come home, be like, I didn't want to talk to nobody, nobody. So I get a phone call, and um, I don't recognize the 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 um, the number, um, and it's a super long number. So I'm like, the hell is this? And this is back when cell phones didn't tell you where the person was calling from. You know what I mean? So it was just like I don't. I answered it, and then I hear somebody with a really thick accent on the line. Um, and so I immediately, because my, my boys are clowns, I thought it was one of my boys trying to play me, um, just like saying wild shit. And uh, <laughs> and it was Nujabes. It was Nujabes, like basically saying that, hey, man, I heard your stuff. As soon as he said my man's home on that name, and then I was like, oh, wow. And then he let me know he was calling from Japan, and that explained the accent. And uh, yeah, he was just like, yo, I heard you on this mixtape. Um, he's like, I really want to do some more music with you. Um, if you could send me some more music and then I can send you some beats and this is all like via mail like we, we ain't emailing me beats to do mailed me a beat tape and I mailed him my demo on cassette <laughs> you know what I'm saying like that's how we was doing it so you sent like an actual like UPS magazine like like a, like an actual like yeah, tape like you sent out to tape. him that's yeah, crazy that's, man. that's how long that's ago crazy. it was you know what I mean not even a CD a tape so um and it was crazy because I, I I was literally in talks with um uh, with Def Jam at the time, I was in talks with uh, um, what's the brother's name, uh, DJ Enough, because uh, he's actually cousins with a friend of mine who also went to Pratt. 
So um, I spit for him over the phone. He had heard me through my man and was just like, yo, get a demo to me, bro. Like, get one to me. So I hit the studio, dropping all this bread, and um, I recorded a demo. Um, and by the time I got that demo to uh, to him, I took too long to make it, so I missed my window. I missed my shot of getting with them, but I still had it. And, like, I mean, literally within weeks of that, I passed that same demo to um, to uh, Best. Uh And then he was just like, yo, let's do it. Send me the beats. And the rest is history. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you actually fly? You fly, you, did you fly out there yeah, as yeah. well? I recorded the whole first album. I, like, I wrote everything or most of it. Uh, I should say half of it. I wrote half of it in, while I was uh, staying in Brooklyn. But uh, but he flew me out to Japan back in, um, I want to say, January 2000. Um, he flew me out there to record. And so I was out there for like four or five weeks, a month, basically. I was out there for a month, um, had my own place out there, and I just would bounce like from my studio apartment to the studio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just walk back and forth um, recording like, on a slow week, like maybe four four days a week, sometimes five, six days a week. You know what I mean? Depends. Uh, and we recorded like 25 tracks in, uh, in a month. And um, yeah, and then that ended up being uh, To This Union, The Sun Was Born, you know what I mean? Which is hold on, right there. Bow, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got it right on the side. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from that record label, is that where Bob Aloy came about? Because I noticed I saw some production from from there, right? So no, from so New, Bob Aloy came. Oh, no. Was it? So the album, the first album dropped two thousand one. Bob Aloy uh, didn't become official until two thousand ten, but I had already knew oh, the beat. Yeah, yeah. So it was like almost ten years between those two projects. Um, no, it was ten wow. years. Yeah, ten oh. years. So. So I actually had done a lot, um, you know, between that. Like, you know, there was, of course, the album with Nuja Best. I did uh, a bunch of songs that ended up being on his projects that came out um, through the 2000s. Uh, um, of course, you know, E-Fam came out after that, as we were talking about before. Um, I dropped my mm -hmm. album, Sacrifice, um, which came out in, like, uh, 2008. Um, and that was when all the MTV and BET stuff was happening, VH1, like, you know, so a lot of things that happened um, in between that. And I want to say around 2007, uh, Marcus D had hit me up. This was back when MySpace was popping, right? Like, hey, MySpace was everything back then. And so, um, so uh, Marcus D had reached out to me, I think, probably right before things really popped with me, because by 2008, and um, that's when, like, the whole MTV stuff and I was getting crazy exposure. Like, it was getting to the point that I'd be in public and, like, occasionally people would recognize me and all of that because they saw my video on TV. Um, but by then, I was already talking to Marcus D and I had representation for, for my stuff in Japan. I had an agent. Um, and he, uh, we were just looking for the next thing to do. And Marcus reached out and I did a few songs with him. And it was crazy. He was like 16, 17 years old when he first hit me up. Yo, he was a kid. And, um, but we clicked. Like, yo, he was just, he just seemed, even though he was young, he seemed really professional. And so um, I basically, uh, you know, I played his stuff for, for uh, my man, uh, my agent at the time. And I was like, yo, if I did some more stuff with this kid, I think his vibe might be perfect for what what um established me out in japan like it's not that far from the new Japan stuff 
but it has like a fresh sound. Um, his drums are like a bit harder and stuff. Like I was like, yo, this this could be special. So um, like you know, my agent at the time he got back and he was just like, yo, I think yeah, y'all need to make a group out of this. Like come up with a name, and that's when I came up with Bob Alloy. Um, and so what Bob Alloy basically means, uh, Bob is just short for bebop, and um, you know the type of uh, jazz where it's like uh, very free flowing, like uh, almost lyrical, so to speak, right? And um, uh, alloy is just, you know, like when you think of like uh, like the uh, like various metals or, or like different things kind of just uh, like uh, forming together, right? The strength thing that makes something stronger. Yeah, yeah. And so like it's for me, it was like just a, a jazz fusion, like, like hip hop, jazz fusing together. Um, and, and so that's what Bop Alloy was with the name. Rep. Um so yeah man like and dude like the moment we started dropping records together like i was just looking at the response from the fans and it just confirmed what i already knew like the moment i when i had the idea and i reached out i wouldn't hit up my man if i if i didn't know you know what i mean um because it has always been just a, such a good consistently good dude no matter how young old he was he's very mature always about his business and um and just, yeah. he, hands down the easiest person i've ever worked with too man like just really really kind of just easy going and always like real effortless man you know he, he's always been ever since I, every time i meet him he's always just been real chill real yeah. laid back that's that super that's that smooth shit, like, man. like <laughs> yeah man it's like you guys have perfect chemistry just, man you know what I mean? Real, I feel like, you know, there's parts of me that has always thought about moving out west just because I feel like my temperament since I've been older is very much on that. Like, I'm just kind of, I try to be chill and easy going. I got that East Coast in me where, like, you know, that, like, listen, you know what I'm saying? Like, get aggressive. <laughs> but, like, but I think yeah. me at the core, like, it's just on that vibe. And I think that's why we click so much, man. Like, we just, just chill dudes, man, you know? Man. You guys have is it two or three albums together? Uh, two albums. We have um, two albums, a remix project, and um, and then we have like a EP that two EPs that we put out too. Um, so yeah, so we got okay. a few different things that we drop. You know what I mean? Okay. So so after uh, hideout, did you go to mellow music or was it hypnot um, first? It was mellow okay. first. Uh, that happened after Bop Alloy. Um, uh, basically, you know, through this time, because I was still uh, working with Q and 5 Music for a very long time. When I put out my second album, that was through Q and 5, who put out the E-Fam project, the Extended Fam album. And so um, at the time, you know, without getting too much into our biz, but um, Tone and I, like, um, you know, who are good friends to this day, but at that time, we had a bit of a fallout. Um, and this is after uh, Nujabes had passed. So we had a bit of a fallout and um, and just kind of parted ways. Uh, not on some like, you know, like it's on when I see you, B. Like not on some that, just, yeah. you know, we, we just kind of needed some space. Kind of creative and different yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and so, okay. so we just, uh, we parted ways for a brief period. Um, and, you know, I was working with, um, I had a conversation with No. Uh, from Cunning Linguist while I was on um, tour with them. 
Um, and we were year, uh, we were in Europe. I remember exactly where we were. We were in Bern, Switzerland, um, uh, sleeping at this this place that was connected to the venue. It was an interesting little situation that like we were set up in. But yo, we, I was just talking about the future. You know, sacrifice was out at the time, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for the next record. And um, and I'm always a dude that picks the brains of the, the people I work with. You know, you try to surround yourself with people um, smarter than you. You know what I mean? Or people who like their careers a bit more advanced, so you can learn learn from them, humble yourself and learn from them. So I asked no straight up. You know, I was just like, man, um, I feel like I got good momentum right now. Um, and so I need to figure out what the next thing is going to be. At the time, I was writing Bop Alloy, so I knew that was next. Um, but, I, you know, I'm a person who always is thinking really far down the road. So um, I was like, yo, I need to start working on my next solo record. As soon as this Bop Alloy joint drop, I already got something in the cannon, you know, to, to make it happen. And so I said, I was like, yo, what do you think I should do? Um, what do you think would be the right move to kind of advance what's happening right now like to develop me further and further establish myself as an artist and um he was like man you need to get with the right producer and let them um you know he's like yo get with a producer who got a bigger name than yours and let them kind of oversee your next album right um he's like i think that would just kind of solidify you even more and so um so you know while we were on tour we were listening to the diamond district uh joint um and we were listening to a lot of the dmv homies i was putting everybody because you know we told them we're in the van so we taking turns playing stuff so anytime i can play people from the area i'm like man why not you know what i mean so i'm putting them on to odyssey uh ken star why you uh the homie um uptown xo like all these dudes i'm playing everybody kokai like we listening to everybody right uh godzilla and um and yo like you know odyssey his, his shit been dope and we already knew each other at that time we um chopped it up a few times and kicked it worked on music together um and so uh no says he was like yo i think if you got with your man he was like yo you say you uh, you you're an odyssey cool he was like man maybe have him do your next record he was like and if and if and if he don't do it he's like you know i'm down to do your next record so <laughs> Oh wow! It's just still waiting on that Joe brother joint. Yeah, yo. So like, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Joe brothers was supposed to be me, Odyssey, and Iamaz Marad. We actually recorded like four songs together. You know what I mean? So that was gonna be an EP. That was a whole yeah. thing. So I was already working with Odd. So, so um, yeah. When I got back off tour, I hit Odd. Was just like, uh, I just asked him. I was like, man, like you know, well. Uh, what what would need to happen for you and I to do a joint? Uh, just kind of oversee the project. Not so much, you know, a substantial odyssey joint. I'm working on my next solo. And I just want you to kind of executive produce, like, you know, have the beats go through you, let you select it, get feedback from you on, while I'm working on these songs. So, you know, so I can further further my thing. And so, yeah, man, he, he said he was down. We worked out the budget stuff. Um, and we started, uh, you know, gathering joints. And then the fallout with Tone, um, ended up happening in the midst of, uh, like, while we were working on that. And and it really didn't have anything to do with the album. It was just a, a different situation um, that we had some words on, and it just felt that it was better to go our separate ways for a bit. And so uh, I let Odyssey know. I was like, yeah, I don't really have a home for the record right now. I mean, I could put it out myself, but uh, but if you know some people, 
you know, that we can play it for, let me know. And he was like, oh, that's, he's like, that's easy, <laughs> you know? And so before Mellow, we just talked about a bunch of different labels. And then he was like, well, yo, let's send it to Mellow first. So we sent it from uh, to Mike from Mellow, and he stamped it. And then um, I just remember being on tour with Marcus D. He was in Japan when I got the contract. I was on a bullet train, just <laughs> sitting there reading over the contract and then chopping it up. And uh, everything was everything. And then um, and that's when Home is Where the Artist came out, uh, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. 2012 mm -hmm. and then from there went to hypnot after that i guess or? well from there yeah from there we um tried to i tried to do something else with mellow um uh -huh. they initially sounded uh you know mike initially but then by the time i had the record finished i sent it to him and he didn't get back um then you know a lot of times that that's code for yeah now nah, i'm good <laughs> you know what i mean so I didn't okay. press the issue because, okay. I mean, I know my audience. So sometimes what sometimes what you want to do isn't necessarily for everybody. But because you know your audience, mm -hmm. like I know what my audience is going to dig. Even when I experiment, like I know I, I have a feeling that like I can, my audience has been loyal where like even when I go different directions, they rock with me. So um and this Bop Alloy record, like the Bop Alloy stuff really wasn't going in a, a new direction. It was really just, it was, it was a more, a more advanced version uh, of what we had done on the last record. You know what I mean? Like we knew each other way yeah. better. So the music was going to be better naturally. Uh, so it was a lot more live instrumentation. Um, you know, the rhymes were like a little more intricate. The subject matter was more, yeah, it was just like, you know, it was Bop Alloy uh, 2.0, you know what I mean? So, um, so sounds good to me, man. Yeah, it was good look good. Nice, man. So, like, yo, when they when when Mellow didn't get back, you know, it was kind of letting me know that they weren't interested because uh, it wasn't like I hit them up one time. Like, we had a whole conversation about it, and then I sent it, and there was nothing. So, you know, I just talked to Marcus, and by that time, we had already crowdfunded. We crowdfunded a remix project, so I already knew. I was like, man, look. If we got this bread for a remix project, it's like, yo, we tell them it's the next album and we let them know what our vision is. It ain't going to be nothing to get this funded, man. So we ended up, we had we asked for one amount, but we more than doubled what we asked the fans to uh, to help us with in terms of the finance. And then after we got the record funded, uh, I already knew I wanted to work on the next solo. Um, uh, basically, I started putting together the whole plan for the solo record. I already had the title, um, The Past is Always Present in the Future. Um, me and Tone was back uh, back talking and um, chopping it up again. Uh, and, you know, him and a few different people was like, yo, man, you should really, my man Algorithm from the Stuyvesants, they were like, man, I feel like y'all doing a full project would be insane. So, like, do that, right? So, when I came with the title, I literally hit him up as quick as I had the title, The Past is Always Present in the Future. And so when I said it to him, or when I told him what I had in mind for him to produce the whole thing, he initially was like, yo, look, you, look, I'm, I'm down to do joints with you, but he's like, I probably ain't got the time to produce the whole record, though. And so I respected that. Um, but he was like, but of course, man, I got you on beats for the joint. I just can't do the whole joint right now. So um, so then uh, circle back around, I was talking to Tone again. And while I was talking to him, that's when he was just talking to me about the whole idea. Like you were seeing different people starting to do this whole thing where they put out EPs 
leading up to a full project. Um, and so, I, you know, I like, I was like, yo, that could be kind of dope. So then I was like, maybe, I mean, Al said he couldn't do a whole project, but maybe he could do an EP, right? So I talked to him, he with it. I talked to uh, Marcus D. I already knew that was a no-brainer. So he was down to do an EP leading up to it. Um, and then, uh, and then um, I was talking to the other guys who were the homies forever. I've known them dudes. Known Isaiah from the other guys since I was like 14. And known uh, his cousin Joe, uh, who does the beats, uh, does most of the beats. Uh, I've known him for yep. quite some time, too. So when I talked to him, he was like, yo, that's a dope idea. Of course, we down, boom, boom, boom. But then he was with, they were hit with Hypnot. So he then said to me, he was like, yo, look, because uh, I was going to crowdfund the record. Because I was, at that point, I knew I ain't need a record label no more, right? I was, after what happened with the last Bop Alloy joint, I was like, hmm. I think label. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, uh, so Joe basically was like, yo, I think you should, talk to Hypnot about putting it out. Um, and, uh, you know, I was hesitant. I was just like, yo, I don't need a label, like, at this point. Um, you know, it's just me really just kind of letting somebody in on the bread whose help I don't necessarily need um, to do it. And so, but, you know, he, uh, he he was like, man, just talk to him. Let him know your plan and stuff and then just see. So I, I, I talked to him. And uh, told him what my plan was. And then the, by the time I told him what my whole plan was, because I had the, the entire plan, like I had it. And he basically was like, yo, what do you, what do you need me for? <laughs> and, I, and I told him, I was like, I, I don't. Like, I, I really don't need a label. But, I mean, it would be nice to have help, right, to do this, as opposed to trying to do everything myself. Um because I knew it would take longer if I had to do everything myself. Uh, but there was never a doubt uh, of whether or not I could do it. I knew I could do it. Um, so, you know, um, he offered me a really great deal. And, you know, without putting the business out there like that, the, the contract that I have with them, you don't see contracts like that. Not in mainstream, underground, trust. Like, I've, re I've read a lot of contracts. I've helped a lot of people negotiate contracts. The contract I had don't exist for the most part, right? Um, and so, yeah. And so, yo, we put the record out. It, it did well, man. Got a lot of love. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a fun experience, man. Like, um, I, I don't regret working with uh, Hypnot on that joint because I, I think we did a good job, like putting everything together and presenting it to the people and folks. And and hands down, man, to me, um, and it's no disrespect to any of the other projects I, I did my solo albums but it was hands down to mm -hmm. me my best solo work in, um, in terms of what I was able to do with the vision top to bottom you know so <clears throat> so something I learned about you that I, not, I had like no clue about was you producing yeah. how did that all come down how long, yeah. how long you been producing for, bro? Since I was 15. I've been I've been making Really? Music. Yeah, yeah. Man. So it's wild, like, because it's been dope because I just really haven't been sharing it, right? Like, I was homies who, who I've been working with for years. I was producing tracks for them all the time. You know what I mean? They just hadn't blown up or anything, so people didn't know. Um, but okay. I was making beats for them. But, I mean, yo, but, like, when you look at who I worked with, like, Nujabes, Marcus D., uh, Odyssey, mm -hmm. no from Cunning Linguist, you know, 
know what I mean? Like, I can keep going. Be like, <laughs> I'm working with all these dudes. Let me slide my beats in here, right? Like, because mo yeah. most people, and there were projects, beats, this was always something that I could do. And um, I was teaching kids how to make production, too. You know, I was working with kids for the longest. So um, I was teaching them beats. Like, I literally was doing programs. I was building shows for youngins and, and just teaching them how to um, to produce. So, like, I was always making beats. I just wasn't pushing my beats to the public. But, um, but again, like, on the Jack and Jill project, I got the production on that. Like, a lot of people didn't know that um, on uh, my project. Um, the Sacrificial Lambs, which came out before Sacrifice. I did some of the beats on mm -hmm. that. The homie Isaiah from the other guys had a solo album that I did some of the beats on that. My Substantial Evidence Mix Project or whatever, I did some of the beats on that. So I just wasn't out here like, yo, look at me, I do beats. I was, you know what right. I mean? But, you um, ever thought about doing like a, just a full instrumental album one day? Like just releasing like a full instrumental project? Yeah, well, I, um, I released one. Pardon yeah, it was the, the joint. The garden came out. I did a couple EPs uh, as well, and so like, yo, like, can I started dropping the beat, beat joints? The streams just was, was going crazy. Uh, like they, they they're getting far more burned than a lot of my songs with me rapping get. And so, so yeah, so like right now, I'm just like I'm doing crazy production um, that I I see now that like. It's it's a better look, like in terms of like me being able to get to more listeners, because there's plenty of people. There's a whole lot of people who like they like hip hop, but they don't. Um, so yeah, basically, you know the. Production has been, it's been creating a lot more opportunities for me, and if I'm being frank. There's a lot of people who like, they like the beats, right? But they don't necessarily like rappers or they don't like rapping. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, I just think it's, I have a whole lot of other other uh, ideas on, like, I feel like there's more to it than just like, oh, I like beats. Um, you know, because if you look at the vast majority of the people in the lo-fi scene, it ain't even like, a whole bunch of like uh black or like uh nah, not more, like it ain't a whole lot of black artists and stuff like that so it's almost like that scene is kind of becoming a whole other thing outside of hip-hop like to the point that people are trying to separate it from hip-hop and so the dopest thing about like me with the beats is kind of like me infiltrating a scene that has almost been created to kind of keep people like me out right um but like people like me and a long list of others from New Jabez to Dilla to Pete Rock to all of these people help lay foundation for this very scene. So, you know, so it's just kind of, it's been dope to be able to take something that I've been doing my whole life, finally put it out to the world and then take my career to a whole yeah. other level doing it, you know? I definitely got to get your instrument album. I, I, I didn't even know you put that out. So I definitely got to get that. Yeah, send me that link to that. So yeah. Support that bad boy. Good. It's so, all good. I appreciate you for being a fan. <laughs> so I got one more question for you, man. Um, yeah, teach me. Uh, what's the whole substantial art and uh, music about the program that you started? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, so uh, my wife and I started a company called Substantial Art and Music, 
um, and we're a consulting service. Uh, we serve um, like various creative entrepreneurs, organizations. Uh, like we we consult, we 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 um, handle some art and design for these different folks. Um, yeah, man, and it's just been a blessing. I mean, just it's been really dope to build our, our art community and um, and continue to work we've been doing, right like for for the longest like over my life i've just been giving back to the art, art community and giving back to the, the black community in general just through ed education and different things um so like our company we help people get grants we help different things um, um just to kind of help uh entrepreneurs we're black owned business The struggle continues. Uh, you know what? We got new. We got a fresh start. We got a whole new timer now, so we're good. Right. Fingers so crossed. Let's try this. Yeah, all good. <laughs> but yeah, man. But um, but you know, like I was saying, substantial art music. Uh, besides being a consulting service, we're black owned business. Uh, a good amount of our clientele, uh, like our black. Uh, but you know, we work with like people around the world. Um. You know, one of our biggest, most recent successes has been um, partnering up with the, the homie Mason Lieberman to do this fundraiser um, to help uh, COVID-19 relief um, through music. Um, and so we saw a lot of success. We raised like tens of thousands of dollars or whatever through music. Um, so it's just been dope, man, being able to empower like other artists uh, through what we're doing and just helping people present their stuff in a more professional way to help like further develop their brand and their business. Um, and just be able to offer something to our community that a lot of times we don't have access to information that just folks don't get in terms of grants. Cause we go to these meetings and a lot of times, depending on what city you're in, you don't see any people of color there. You know what I mean? They just don't know. And so we go around the country. We've been around the country presenting, we do it online presenting, making sure we get access to that information to take privilege away from art and just make it about like, yo, being able to support yourself doing, doing what you love most and just putting people in a position to be able to support themselves and their family like we do, um, like doing what they love most. You know what I mean? Where, where's that facility at? Uh, the place, because you just opened up something new, right? Didn't you open up your own like office place or something like that? Uh, well, yeah, we have an office inside of um, Creative Suitland, and Creative Suitland is a project of Joe's Movement Emporium. So our office is based in Prince George's County. Okay. Unfortunately, due, uh, due to the the, uh, the the pandemic, we haven't worked out of our office since March. So we've been just working out of our home studio. But that's where our physical location is, um, out in Suitland, down the street from where I grew up. Uh, it's just dope to be in that space, um, being able to do it in that community, because that that's ideally those are the folks who I want to help most. You know what I mean? Like, especially in this time that we're in with the, the protests and all of these different things that are going on, like people really need to be looking at not just 
like how we can fight what's happened, like with protests and with um, petitions and all of that. But if you were doing something before all of this um, kind of raised to the level it's at right now, which is beautiful. But if you were doing something before that was give, like what you're doing right now, basically giving um, like all different types of people a platform, but in particular, uh, particular uh, marginalized groups, like giving us a voice, giving us a platform so people can know what's going on with us. Like if you're already with somebody who was doing that work, like, yo, we need you to do more of that work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so for us, when we see what's happening, of course we want to do more. Of course we want to support like people uh, who are on the front line. But like, but the one thing we have not lost sight of is like we were doing work already to help our community and supporting black businesses and lifting up our folks and giving us a bigger platform, helping us find funding that a lot of times is not available to us. Like that's what, the work we were already doing. And it took a lot of our homies just being in our ear to be like, yo, look, hey, look, y'all was already on this. So y'all need to keep doing more of that. You know what I mean? And so that's where we are with it. And, um, you know, we appreciate all the skit, man. It, it's been it's been dope. And we just launched our podcast as well, which uh, like the, the feedback and the love from that has been crazy considering we haven't really been actively promoting it because it dropped on Monday. And we just been trying to be mindful of we don't want to we don't want to distract from the most important fights happening right now. Um, but we understand how what we're doing plays a role in the fight as well by um, by lifting up our voices and bringing in different people from our community. Um, like it's not only us interviewing like black artists, but the vast majority of our guests um, are black artists. Half of our guests are, are women most of which are with so like yo lifting up their voices telling their stories and stuff um it's extremely important extremely important so you know if people want to get involved and help out what's the best uh way for them to go about should this instagram you or is there a website for people to go to for yeah that? our website is uh subartandmusic.com um you can check that out you can learn about our services uh figure out how we can help uh help what you're doing um, or if you're just interested in uh, support what we're doing, you can know you can check out our social media, uh, which is just sub art music, um, and uh, support some of the things we got going on. Um, you know, basically when people like purchase stuff from our store or just you know they utilize our services, that uh, obviously helps me provide for me and mine. Um, and of course, like uh, my my business partner is also my wife. So, of course, it helps us take care of our family. But what it also does is it helps us be able to gather more resources to help the, the, the artist's community at large, right? And so, um, so definitely, man, like, you know, help more artists like you, you know what I mean? Um, because that's what we're doing. This year has been crazy. We've been blessed, man, where we literally have been averaging an artist a week, like in terms of like, or a client a week in terms of people we've been helping like it's we've been and blessed that we've been able to still do what we do even in the midst of this crisis um in terms of the fight against police brutality and the fight in terms of the pandemic so um so you know we're just blessed that you know we're thrive in this situation and more importantly help other people like us who who are just trying to find their way in an industry that's designed to keep artists poor you know what i mean so um yeah, man. Like, yeah, definitely check us out online, and then uh, just look up the uh, the podcast as well. It's called Artistry, but it's spelled 
A R T and then D U S T R Y. Um, so it's where art meets industry, so artistry. Uh, but yeah, but that's it though, you know. <clears throat> so this is the part of the program where I pr pretty much give you the platform, man. Is there any last words you want to get out to everybody watching tonight? Anybody tuning in after this podcast is over with that you may want to get out to everybody? Yeah, man, uh, definitely. You know, I just want to say, uh, you know, peace to everybody right now, man. We are in, we're in a unique place right now in terms of where our world is, where we, like, we as, as uh, black people and uh, marginalized people in general, like, have, have the world's ear. You know what I mean? So it's important that, like, yo, we use this, this time that we have where people are paying attention and seem like they're listening. To, to basically motivate and, and push to a point that we are able to advance our advance our people, advance our cause, um, and lift the, uh, lift each other up and make a better world for these kids. You know what I mean? So um, I just encourage everybody to do that. I've been trying to do my part and um, use my platform to, to share resources and stuff. So, so if you go to my uh, Instagram highlights, there's a, a, a segment or whatever that um, says BLM, um, Black Lives Matter, and other resources. So you can go there and figure out ways you can help on that front. Yeah, man, like I said, uh, if you go to my highlights on Instagram, there's a section that says BLM and, um, and other resources. Check that out for different ways you can kind of contribute um, to what folks are doing right now in terms of uh, supporting various organizations who are fighting uh, police brutality and helping to defend um, people who are like um, in different legal situations connected to all of this. Um, so there's that. Um, and outside of that, man, just like, yo, you know, in terms of supporting our company, you can buy, like, even if you don't necessarily need our services, you can recommend us to artists who could use our services. Um, if you are partnered with different organizations or know of organizations that are looking to help, like, various creatives, especially creatives of color, um, definitely reach out and try to connect us because uh, we do our presentations with a lot of different um, organizations just to get the information out there to the, uh, the public at large. And one of the easiest things that any of you could be doing right now to just support on um, what's happening, this is like the no-brainer, like super easy, doesn't cost you nothing but time. It's like, man, if there are artists who have been consistently talking about what has been going on in this world and what has been happening to our people, uh, and on top of that, they, they make good music, yo, just listen to more of them. Listen to more of those artists. Help us get in the position where we can get more people is right because because yo like i'm put i'm working on two different projects right now uh one is a compilation of songs that i've done over the years talking about this type of stuff right and it's called what i've been saying <laughs> right that's what i call this it. it's called what i've been saying and it's a compilation i'm gonna put out where all the proceeds are gonna go to um, uh, black lives matter and other organizations i'm also working on something that i can't talk talk about yet because we haven't signed off that happens we could potentially with tens of thousands of dollars in a short period of time so it's crossed that that happens um but yeah man support artists who've been doing that work already you know what i mean not just making songs about it but you know they like you know that they're active in the community um you know uh and you know or globally just like fighting like you know whether it's on the front line or working with organizations or making the music if yo, like if they make quality music, man, support more yeah. of that shit. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, because that's 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 easy. And compared to some of this other work they got to get done, that that that's easy, and there's no excuse. Like, and what's really important, last thing, easy to do this work now because everybody's mad, everybody's uncomfortable right now. The hard part, right? And where I don't see as many people is when everybody good. When the person you was rooting for, they got the job. They're in office, right? We typically get lazy and we get comfortable when when the people we like are in position and we think everything's good until it ain't. So what you got to understand is even when it's good for you, it's bad for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Even when it's good for you, it's bad for somebody else that you care about or you don't know or didn't know you care about. So, yo, do the work. It, it doesn't, it ain't, it ain't like your whole day, but a piece of your day could be dedicated to doing something for, for someone else other than yourself. You know what I'm saying? Um, shit's good for your soul, yo. That, that's, that's all that's it. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, I appreciate you for, for letting me on. You know, I, I got love from you. Uh, got love for you since we met, man. You've been a good Yeah, man, you, uh, appreciate you I've done, me, bro. just for people to know, I man, I've done, I've done seven shows with uh, Substantial right here and uh, I met him through my boy Goofball. So if it wasn't for Goofball, I wouldn't yeah, have a bunch yeah. of yeah, with you, man. <laughs> but you've uh, you taught me yeah, a lot, man. man. You taught I me a lot about so being much, a good man. promoter, treating people right, and you really taught me about learning the business mm -hmm. um, and growing. You know, so I appreciate you for that, man. So and thank you for being part of this whole Hidden Gem series, man. So thank you, brother. Appreciate Love you, bro. And I appreciate everybody tuning yeah, in tonight, man. Congratulations on it, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank me a lot, bro. Yeah, congrats on it, man. I, I started following. You know, but, but thank you so I'm much, love, bro. Peace. You, Peace, y'all. All right, man. Peace. <laughs> Take care, bro. All right, man. All right, man. Be good.